really trying to do things differently and starting with the first ever single elimination curling bracket i think tagging on to that a perfect million dollar bracket prize just like march madness and then layering in a, a celebrity invitational like a pro-am just like golf tournaments do we're really trying to have as much fun as humanly possible with uh, with curling canada and and curling fans across the country you're listening to the gaming news canada show with steve McAllister, recorded live on twitter spaces Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience. First of all, it's uh, Thursday, September 15th. Hard to believe we're halfway through the month. And just want to welcome everybody to another uh, episode of the Gaming News Canada show. Uh, another very, very busy week in the sporting world. Let's jump right into it. And, and Steve, uh, Steve Rapp, can't thank you enough for joining us. And Steve, this might have been one of the worst kept secrets in the Canadian gaming industry, but it, it, it did come out last week on a few websites that, that you would join Pinnacle as the Canadian country manager. And um, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably safe for us to, to mention now that uh, when we ran into each other back in June at the uh, at one of the two Canadian uh, gaming summits in Toronto, you you mentioned that you were you were making making a move and leaving Sports Interaction to 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 join the Pinnacle. And uh, with that came the news last week that Pinnacle has also received its license from the AGCO. So I'll just turn over to you, Stephen, let you talk a bit about your move to move to Pinnacle and, and about last week's announcement. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've been wanting to to mention it for since I saw you and since I, everything else. But, but uh, you know, we have to uh, do things the right way, and uh, we go through our licensing process and and go through all the compliance things that need to be done. But from a personal standpoint, first of all, um, the opportunity to join Pinnacle, which you know, I've you know, as you know, I've been around this business for twenty something years, and and one one thing I always knew was pin, the Pinnacle brand and Pinnacle, you know being known as the sharpest book on the planet and all those things and figuring that, you know, after what I've done through my career, what a great way to finish it off was helping to bring this iconic brand to a regulated market. So um, when the opportunity arose, it was uh, really a no brainer for me to, to do that. And as, and as far as uh, Pinnacle goes, yes, it's, uh, it's entering the uh, Ontario regulated market. It has uh, received its go-ahead from the AGCO. As my friends, you mentioned, uh, Amanda and Nick, I'm sure are aware there is a process. Uh, that process includes uh, the IG, IGO uh, finishing some of its uh, testing and, and dotting its I's and crossing its T's. And we're hoping imminently uh, to get the final go-ahead from IGO. And when that happens, Pinnacle will be live. Pinnacle.ca will be live in in Ontario. Uh, Steve, just, uh, and again, we in these forums, we invite anybody. If you've got a question for Steve, please please put up your hand. First, I'll just ask Steve, like, what, what made this move so attractive for, for you to join Pinnacle? I mean, obviously, it's a well-established brand. You, you mentioned the, the motto about the sharpest sports book in the world. Uh, was there anything else that, that made this just too too good an offer to turn down? Yeah, my ego says you have to <laughs> you, you have to bring the most iconic sports book in in the world to Ontario regulated market. Yeah, um, that I mean basically that. I mean I I looked at the mar I looked at the, the the landscape out there. I looked at the competition. I looked at what was out there, what was happening, and in my mind. 
the only company that had a differentiator from those was Pinnacle. I mean, Pinnacle's uh, winner's welcome, uh, low margins, high limits, you know, all those things don't kick out winners. Uh, To me, Pinnacle had a story to tell. It had a history and a story to tell that uh, the competition didn't. So, well, you know, we can't go out there and market bonuses and incentives and things like that nature. Uh, that's good because Pinnacle doesn't have those. What Pinnacle does will give you value every single day of the week with its with its odds and then it's basically its odds or its IP. Um, and that was a story that I felt that I could market. Uh, I mean, having marketed sports books for as long as I had, that was a story that I thought, well, I can actually do something with that. And uh, it was it just it seemed like a natural fit for me. Hey, uh, go ahead, Gavin. Yeah, and and. and uh, uh, Rap and I had a fun conversation at Sigma um, where I was like, um, I, I admitted I really didn't have great awareness of the Pinnacle brand. I said I know them as cheap golf balls, uh, but I didn't know that they were also in the sports betting. I know they're different companies. Um, so, you know, Steve, like uh, maybe to the diehard sports better or the sports betting betting industry pinnacle probably has the the stronger name recognition to the sports fan uh this you know and the sports business in general i i feel like there's still a brand awareness issue am i wrong there do you do you feel like there's some work to do there oh you're absolutely you're absolutely right you're absolutely you're right absolutely right gavin i mean the way i look at it is if you've been betting in the in the gray market for twenty years or whatever, or if you're if you're a seasoned sports better, if you hang if you hang out on the forum groups, uh, you're going to know who Pinnacle is. If you're a new better to to this market, you're a new better to regulated gambling. Uh, you're probably not going to know who Pinnacle is yet. Um, and my, and our plan is to do that through educational and informative content. If you go if you go through uh, Pinnacle's Twitter feed um they put up some of the best uh content to help create smarter betters i mean they you know they want to create smarter betters as part of their their whole usp it's part of their winners welcome they don't kick out winners they take winners and create better odds from that so yeah i mean I think there are, you know, people have gone through pain points since April 4th. People have seen some of the problems, some of the things that are out there, some of the limiting of wages, some of the kicking out of winners, uh, you know, some of that, as they call spinning wheel issues that people have been dealing with. And, uh, that's that's our job to to educate and, and get some of that some of those people that have now been introduced to the market and and we'll see what a long term value of getting lower margin odds will will get for you. What do you say to to people who say that Pinnacle's late to the late to the party here? Um, I think that uh, people have uh, have seen the rest now. See you the best. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know. I don't want to maybe sound like an ego, and, it, and it's, it's just that. I, I, you know, I've seen the buzz that's been on social media. I've seen the buzz that's been on the the, the forum groups uh, when we announced, you know, there was a press release yesterday. You don't see any negativity. You have, you see a lot of people waiting for Pinnacle to show up in the regulated market, and 
And I think that will just because there's no BS when you're dealing when you're dealing there. I mean, you don't have to right. The limits that you can bet are right on the game, right on the screen. It will tell you how much you can bet. Uh, that will be in the thousands of dollars, and it won't kick you back. So I think that I think that people will 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 learn over time. And I, I think that uh, like I said, you've seen the rest. Now come play with the best. Oh, another thing. I mean. Uh, Again, don't want to give away too much of my marketing. But I feel like I'm on a roll here. Um, <laughs> all these, all these people saying, all these people saying, uh, multiple out, shop for the best prices. And we agree. Do it. Go out there, shop. Pinnacle's got to be one of them. At the end of them, at the end of it, that's where you'll end up. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that that will stay, will will resonate, and, and I I don't worry about being late to the party. Right, and and uh, you know, I'll, th- this is this isn't a shock to anybody either, Steve. But it's someone who's been around the business as long as you have been, and then uh, working for a company now who's been in the marketplace and Canada here for a while, you cer- certainly have a pretty good handle on what 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 Canadian sports fans and Canadian sport betters are going to be attracted to and and understand the landscape here. I, I hope so. I mean, that's that's how I got this job. Um, I mean, I, I hope. I understand. I think that I think that I do. I think I've been talking to sports betters in this country for 20 years, and I think I know where they're hanging out. Um, but then again, I'm also you know this is, a, this is like a really a teaching old dog new tricks type of thing because uh, this is relatively new to me. A lot of the a lot of the um, channels that we market on now are not what I've been doing for the last two decades. So I you know, it's a team effort, and I, I lean a lot on the team to uh, to teach me the things that I'm not don't not really up on. Yeah, hey Steve, because because you have had to keep a bit of a low profile and and haven't been able to say a whole lot the last the last couple of months. Uh, you know, I do I do just want to get some high level thoughts from you on the industry in Ontario so far because as we both know, there've been a lot of opinions out there. A lot's been written about it. We we talk a lot about the industry here every week. But I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts. What are we like six months into the regulated market now? I think. I think it's been going great. I mean, I I think the the numbers that we saw were not horrible. There were, as 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 you mentioned, mentioned a lot of the gray area weren't in there. I mean, sports interaction wasn't there yet. Betway wasn't there yet. Pinnacle wasn't there yet. I think the numbers were good. I think those numbers will only grow. Um, I think it's been seamless. We haven't heard a lot of problems. I mean, one company, one major company, had a problem the last week or so. But um, I've been I've been impressed and and and. Now that I've been involved in the last few months on the compliance side of things, um, the AGO, AGCO has been been a pleasure to work with, and a, I can't believe I've been saying that after twenty years. That they've been a pleasure to work with, and 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 really accommodating to get the things done, and and everybody's been working as they should. So, I think the industry's got off to a great start. Um, I want to, Steve, I hope you're going to be able to hang around for the hour. I, I, I do want to get you on another topic, but I, I did want to kind of get a little bit of sports talk in. We, we've got uh, uh, Nick Salski from Points Bets. Canada is going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. And Amanda Brewer is joining us a bit late. I'm hoping to get Steve, you, and Amanda Nick talking about a, a couple of different things on the the sports betting media side and then also on the regulatory side. But I did, I did want to mention if you were with us at the top of hour before we, uh, before we started here, we were talking a bit about the Roger Federer announcement today and, and Federer at uh, 41 years old, putting out a statement that he's essentially retiring. I mean, he's no longer going to play um, 
ATP Tour events. He's not going to play Grand Slams. He's not going to play uh, Fed Cup. And I'm sure we'll see him in some exhibitions. But, uh, Gavin, I'll maybe start with you. When, when, I, when I think of Roger Federer, I mean, I, I, I think of people like John Beliveau and Henry Aaron and Arnold Palmer, Bill Russell, Billie Jean King, Rod Laver, Steffi Graf, uh, you know, champions in their sports who, who conduct themselves as, as, uh, uh, with the utmost class and, and grace. And, you know, Federer's poured millions of dollars into charitable endeavors and uh, just such a, such a great ambassador for the sport. And, and obviously with, with Federer and Serena Williams both leaving professional tennis in the same month, it, it's, certainly, uh, it's certainly a huge hit to the sport. Yeah, you know, I, I look at these always as, as you know, like Lucha, I'm a massive tennis fan. And, and I think we, first of all, have to count ourselves lucky that we got to witness one of the truly legendary careers in sports, not just in tennis, in sports, um, you know, begin and end. Uh, you know, we'll, 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 we've seen that with Jordan, with Gretzky, um, and, and some of those other greats you mentioned. Um, and, you know, I, I think about the, the legends of that sport now reaching the, the end. Um, and at some point, my guy Nadal will be there as well. And he's about to have a kid, hopefully. And, Serena's gone, and it truly is a time of, of, of fresh faces, Carlos Alcaraz coming along and all these Yannick Sinner. Uh, it, was a, it was the right time, I think, for Federer. He, he knew he couldn't compete in best of fives anymore. Um, I chuckled to somebody earlier saying Laver Cup tickets must have been struggling. That's why he put the announcement out, because, you know, he's trying to get some buzz around that event. He'll be there with, uh, I think... Uh, his two great rivals with Rafa and Novak. Um, so that'll be a fun event to watch where the fans and the players, I'm sure, will pay tribute to him. But yeah, I think we just have to applaud an amazing career, not just in tennis, but in all of sports. Right. Yep. Very well said, Gavin. And and again, I think if you look at, uh, you know, tennis has had a lot of golden eras in the sport. I mean, you go back to the days of, of Laver and King and Margaret Court. And um, you look at this current generation with, uh, with Djokovic and Nadal and Federer, even though they're the tail end of their, of their careers. I mean, in, in their prime, that was as good a rivalry as you would see in any professional sport. And, um, you know, maybe get Luch in here too, because I know uh, Tony Luchasano, you, you follow the game. You're a passionate tennis guy. And I'd love to get your thoughts on today's news. Well, I got a, you know, um, mirror, Gavin's uh, Gavin's uh, speech, but the other thing we've got to be aware of is, I mean, every generation has its, you know, has its superstars, and you know, the fact that we got to see three of them um, and two of them are still playing is it, it, a marvel. You know, I mean, it's just something that you've never seen before, and you know, everyone's going to say, "Is he the greatest of all time?" Well, you know what? That's that's all again generational to me. Um, I love Federer. I think he's great. I love Nadal. I love Djokovic. I think they've done so much for the sport, um, just like Borg and Connors and and McEnroe did back in the uh, early '80s. I mean, every like I said, every generation is going to have those guys that are going to come along and do so much for the game. And this is no different. What Serena did is great, but remember Navratilova and Steffi Graf, which you mentioned. Again, all of them are you know classy players classy people and they lifted the sport to new heights that, that that's what i say on that 
Yeah, you don't Mike, think you yeah, don't think ahead. we'll start you don't think we'll start seeing more and more of these type of athletes like you say are generational just because of the type of training and the science and everything else. I mean, we see more and more of them. I mean, who's seen a Shohei Otani since Babe Ruth? But yet now we're seeing a guy like Shohei Otani. I'm just wondering if just science and and just and just the science of athletics are going to create more and more of these athletes that we're going to say, well, it's just, they're just, we're going to see three or four of the greatest of all time during every generation. Absolutely, Steve. I think you bring up a very valid point. I mean, look, I, I, I referee, I referee basketball and I get to see some of the greatest kids handle a basketball. I mean, in fact, years and years ago when I was refereeing, I had the opportunity to ref Steph Curry as a 12 year old playing out in Mississauga. And I kept thinking, wow, this guy's pretty damn good. There's another girl who's 11 years old who's playing out in Brampton. And she's got handles like a, you think she was born with the ball in her hand. Um, and I think she's going to end up in you know the WNBA nine years from now. It's Every generation is going to have these players. And you're right about the training. The training is is off the charts. It's about nutrition. You know, Now the kids aren't playing like I did back in 77, four months a year. They're playing 12, you know, 12 months a year. They're playing 365 uh, days of you know, uh, journey that year. And, and there's nothing we can do. But I, it's great for sport and it's great for, uh, great for the fans and great for the betters as well. <laughs> Not doing it with a smoking a donut. No, 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 no. And you know what? And I just uh, quickly, just to touch upon, you know, like Steve, congratulations on the move. And, you know, Pinnacle is a name that I've known for a long time. And it'll be interesting to see now. Now now that I know Steve Rapp's there, now I'm going to have to go over it and check it out a little deeper. Maybe leave my 365 account, Steve. Oh, okay, well, I'd appreciate that, Tony. Just don't, don't tell B365. I, no, I, I, I promise I won't say that. Yeah, the, 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 the T-shirt's already in the mail, oh, Good, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, just play, I'll play devil's advocate a, a, a bit about what you guys said. And I, I do wonder with, with the amount of money that athletes make today, and and I I think there's a bit of overtraining, and, and I think athletes, we're seeing a lot of athletes break down, and I, I, I do question whether or not a lot of these athletes are going to have the desire to, to play for 15 to 20 years and, and hang around because you can make a lot of money in a short period of time. And I, I wonder if maybe we're seeing the end of, of athletes who are going to have 20, 25-year careers. But again, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to, uh, I'm, I'm stirring the pot a little bit here, but I, I just wonder what you guys think about that. Well, if, if I can just inter, in, intercept there for a second and say that I can't, I, I don't believe what you're saying, see, for the simple reason that if you're a champion and you got that fire, doesn't the money come, is secondary. Once you have that fire in your belly to be the best, you'll play as long and, and as hard as you can for you know whatever time it takes. Yeah, there, there's something about these athletes, the way they're cut. Um, they they are they are so different than anybody else. Yes, there are a ton of great athletes. But there's only a few what I call superior that just want to keep playing and be the best for as long as they can. Unless you're a live golfer. Correct. Unless you're a live <laughs> golfer. And, and they will all lose they will all lose their 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 want to compete or their you know, their desire to compete, that's for sure. Hey Steve. Yeah, go ahead. I want to get Yeah, just, just quickly. I, I know we're getting stacked up here. It's the bottom of the clock, but just quickly on we're talking about the greats and trying to compare errors, which is a challenge to do. We're spoiled in this day and age where we can see every match, every shot, every play. 
how do we compare Rocket Richard that most people never saw play? Um, and Doug Harvey, go, you know, going back in time when it was, if it was on television at all, maybe a period or two on a Saturday night, compared to today, you see every 82 games of every team. So just, just hard to put in perspective from that standpoint. It's, it's such a it's such a great point, Mike, and and uh, it, I think it's unfair when you when we have these goat conversations these days, and and to proclaim somebody as the greatest of all time, it, they're they're different eras, different equipment. As to Lucha's point, different training, and uh, you know if, if you look at if we just focus on tennis, what the, the Navratilova Chris Everett era was was marvelous tennis and. Uh, the air with with Graf and and Monica Sellish and that ilk was was great tennis and then of course with the William Williams sisters uh, when Serena and Venus came into sport and Graf was still around you still had Sellish I mean that was a terrific generation in in the sport as well uh, Luch I think mentioned earlier uh, um, Connors and and Borg and McRoy you throw Yvonne Lendl in there and Jim Courier and Andre Agassi and then Pete Sampras so. Uh, it's, it's for me. It's really, really hard to pin a goat title on somebody because the generations are so so different, and we and we've seen so many so so much evolution in in professional sport. Uh, but it's all it's always it's a, listen. It's a great uh, great debate to have, uh, Amanda Amanda Brewer. I want to get Amanda in here because I Amanda, you just joined us, but we're talking about the Roger Federer announcement that he retired today, and I w- wasn't sure if you had any thoughts on on Federer's retirement and, and what Federer's ma- meant to the sport. Uh, well, I've been watching tennis since I was a very young girl, and so grew up, sort of watching, you know, the the Andre Agassi era of tennis was when I, you know, would be glued to the TV, you know, with my parents. And uh, I think for him, he's kind of my last tie to that era, and it'll be interesting to see who's able to come up behind him. Um, so yeah, I'll be watching. I think we've, we've, I've listened to, uh, Tony talk about, you know, sometimes the sport right now is just struggling with the, with getting the next big names through and with, uh, with Roger retiring, that kind of leaves us with Novak. (laughs) Um, yeah, so we'll have to see, we'll have to see who can climb all the way up there and start grabbing some of the spotlight again. Yeah, get uh, Nick Sol- Nick Solsky from Points Bet Canada joins us too, and, and Nick, I know we're going to talk in a second about the Points Bet Invitational, but you're you're a longtime sports fan, and I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Roger Federer news today as well. Um, like, oh, in what aspect? I mean, it's he was an incredible athlete, and he played for a long time. Is this whether Roger Federer was the the goat? Because, um. I have my own opinion about that, but um, that's the great thing about being sports fans, right? We're all allowed and entitled to have our opinions. Um, that's kind of the most exciting thing. I think the most engaging and opening and, and, and kind of welcoming thing about being a sports fan is you really are entitled to your own opinion, right? Um, anyway, sorry, I, I jumped in, I jumped in hot and I jumped in late. So I'm not exactly sure what the, the kind of the, the crux of the conversation has been Steve because you are the greatest of all time Twitter space hosts. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) That's a way to butter the bread, Nick. I like it. Um, No, I think we were just talking, we were just talking about the Federer announcement today and just getting some general thoughts on, on Federer and and his career and uh, you know, where, where he stands among the the greats in his sport. And, and as you said, we've, I mean, we've, we've had, we've had varied opinions and nobody, nobody's completely right. Nobody's completely wrong on this. I I think we, we can agree that, you know, Roger Federer is certainly one of the, one of the great athletes of our, our respective lifetimes. 
I think what's most incredible about Roger Federer, and I can't think of this in any other sport, is I would argue that there's three players within the same general kind of time frame that could that all have equal claims on the greatest of all time. Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Like, I can't think of another sport, like even Jordan Magic. No, because uh, sorry, Magic Board and Jordan. I mean, not really, because Jordan is the goat, right? So that's what's interesting to me about Federer and this generation of tennis is literally three males. Let's not even talk about the females for a second because I think there's an argument to make that Serena is the greatest of all time, period. Um, but there's three male tennis players all who have a legitimate claim to that. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Hey, Lucha, I'll give you the last word on that to respond to Nick and then we'll, we'll move on here. Well, well, Nick said Serena is the greatest of all time, again, because she's won the most uh, Grand Slam titles, or are you going to go with someone like Martina that has the most combined titles? Like, you can make an argument, and, and Nick brings up a valid point. You know, everyone has an opinion on it, and I could argue on the tennis side till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, it's really what your criteria are. You, you could sit down and manipulate it like you can with big data, and we all know how, how important big data is in the marketing world. Well, you can do the same thing with sports, right? It's all about um, what are your criteria for, for claiming someone as the, as the GOAT? You can make the same thing for Howe versus Gretzky or Gretzky versus Lemieux. I mean, there's so many different criteria, and, and tennis is no different than any other sport. You know, you brought about saying Jordan is the GOAT. Well, there's going to be about 100,000, you know, people that are going to look at you and go, well, you know what, you know what, he doesn't, he didn't do what LeBron did. And then people are going to say, well, Jordan didn't do what the – what LeBron did or LeBron did do what Jordan did. And and, the, and you go around in a circle and a circle and a circle, but that's the beauty of sport. And that's why we love it so much guys. Uh, let's leave it there. And uh, let's, let's segue from, from tennis to curling. I'm, I'm not sure that's a smooth segue, but we're, we're going to do it anyway. And Nick, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, I guess less than a week away from the start of the, uh, of the points of invitation, all uh, the, the inaugural event that, that, your spot, your company sponsoring Curling Canada is putting on in, in Fredericton next week, and and uh, you guys had announced a pretty neat promotion next week, and I, I think a lot of curling fans across the country are looking forward to this event next week. I I, I hope so. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think there are very few people who are looking forward to it more than than, than I am. I'm I'm really excited. It's going to be a it's going to be a great week. And I mean, I think that ultimately from the very beginning and, and most of you've heard me say this, like we're really trying to do things differently and, you know, starting with the first ever single elimination curling bracket, I think, you know, tagging on to that, a, um, you know, a, a perfect million dollar bracket prize um, just like March madness. And then layering in a, a celebrity invitational, like a pro-am just like golf tournaments do. I mean, I think we're really, we're really trying to uh, we're really trying to have as much fun as humanly possible with uh, with curling Canada and and curling fans across the country. Yeah, Nick, maybe you could talk about when I, I was just scrolling through Twitter as you were chatting, and I see that uh, the PointsBet just announced your that your players for I guess quote competitors for the Celebrity Invitational event. Maybe you can just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so on the Friday night after the Elite Eight. Um, the uh, we are we're going to have a four end pro am where um, a bunch you know a bunch of big current day curlers you know Brendan Botcher and Jennifer Jones and the like are going to be curling on the te- on teams with um, Donovan Bailey Shane Corson and Mark Mathod are coming out 
um, Georgia Simmerling and Steph Labbe, um, you know, obviously very well-known Canadian Olympians who are also now a part of the curling universe are, are participating classified, um, you know, the arguably the most famous East coast hip hop artist of all time is going to be curling and performing after, uh, the trailer park boys are going to be there. And we also have Randy from the trailer park boys who's going to be curling, uh, curling with everybody on the ice as well. And, uh, no, it's just going to be so fun. Um, these none, none, you know, no one, no one, none of the celebrities have really ever curled before. So I think it'll shine a really bright light on one, like how incredibly challenging curling is, um, and and how fun it is. I think one of the things that curling um, really does need is um, an ability to showcase how fun and and inclusive their sport is, bringing the age down, making it a little bit cooler. So. I think this is just kind of like this week or next week, I should say, is really just kind of step one in our many year plan to really try and blow the sport up, uh, so to speak. Hey, Nick, um, uh, it reminds me of a funny uh, segment, funny. It, it, it was an entertaining and 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 uh, well-received segment we did and it had nothing to do with it other than find a sponsor. Uh, but the production team at the 2010 Olympics, we, we had a bunch of athletes from other sports step into the Olympic arena. And so you had like Lanny McDonald uh, trying his hand and a bunch of the Flames trying their hands at uh, the Flames legends at curling. You had Jacques Villeneuve um, joining John Montgomery to try his hand at, at skeleton. And it was just fascinating to see these athletes from other walks step into these sports and learn how you know difficult uh, and challenging and gain this appreciation so i'm sure you'll have some of that fun dynamic at play well i mean that's gavin that's 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 the goal man like you know seeing um you know it's gonna be fun to see you know shane corson and and and, and donovan you know, not only throwing rocks down the ice, but maybe they'll take a turn. They'll they'll take they'll they'll, they'll ask Benny Ebert or Ebert to you know uh, grab his broom and, and do a little sweeping. Also, like who knows? It's it's I think it's just it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, this is the first time we're doing it. Obviously, we're going to recreate this over the next number of years for each Invitational. But um, hey, you gotta you gotta start somewhere. We're we're uh, we're pretty we're pretty excited. Hey, Nick, Steve Rapp here. Quick question. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, you're not going to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, I, I, are you seeing any? Are you seeing any conversions to betters from your curling campaigns? Well, are they converting? I mean, so, I mean, Steve, the the straight, the, the straight, and I'll give you the straight goods. Reality is, the market, you know, the the, the the Ontario market launched after curling season ended. So, curling season starts next week. We launched the Sweep Sixteen contest. Um, you know, sweep16.ca for all of you who haven't seen it across Twitter. There you go. You know, it's a free to free to play uh, bracket contest where if you hit the perfect bracket, you you win a million dollars. The reality is, Steve, we put up we're the first operator to put up curling markets two days ago. So we put up the markets for the invitational, both from the round one matches for the, you know, the which curler is going to which which rink is going to win uh, both the men's and the women's championship. But we also have markets as to which team is going to make the, the, the championship, which team is even going to make the final four. Um, I will say that we have not seen a massive amount of gambling on curling yet, but we're a week away from, yeah, yeah. from the event. So and it's, I don't it's going to be a grow. 
And I'm going to apologize because when I asked the question, I should have realized that we haven't seen a season of curling yet. So that wasn't that wasn't really a fair question. But I appreciate you answering it anyway. Hey, Steve, I've known you for years, man. I know that it's hard to get a fair question out of you, brother. <laughs> I just wanted to throw it at you anyway. So I'm really concerned. You'll, you'll let me know how it goes, right? Because then you'll never know. You can always do some competition out there, right? Abs- well, absolutely, you know, and, uh, and what are, what were, if you were to give me the odds of you asking me the, the hard question, it would have been what, minus 160, minus 170, right? So, hey, it's almost like well, our, yeah. it's almost like the, the lines at points bet now where we're at 100, we're at minus 107. So there you go, Steve. We're, uh, we're going to have some fun together, you know? No, absolutely. Look forward to, I look forward to the competition. There you go. So do I. Yeah, hey, Nick, just one, one last question. I really appreciate you joining us. And that's just on the competition itself. I mean, unless I, I miss it, most, I mean, curlers are used to kind of playing a week-long event, a, a Bonsfield-type event where you play around Robin and then you get in the playoff rounds. Are, are, are you hearing from the curlers that maybe they're a little bit more nervous or anxious or they're kind of excited to see how, uh, you know, whether you're playing sudden death uh, games every, every night or every afternoon, that that's, that's a bit of a different twist for them? Well, you know, you know, to be honest, there's there's only a certain number of curlers that I'm that I, you know, that I speak to on a regular basis. And, you know, I will say that um, both the, the curlers from from Carrie Einerson's rank, you know, Shannon and Brianne and Val and then, uh, you know, Brendan and uh, Brendan and the guys on on Team Botcher, you know, Ben and, and, and Brett and Mark and, and Brendan, obviously. Um, they're all, they're all, they're all excited, man. And, and, you know, our great friends at Curling Canada and, and, you know, Nolan Thiessen, especially, you know, he's been getting a lot of feedback from the curlers. I mean, these guys, these people, I should say, sorry, are, I mean, they're all professional athletes, right? The drama and the excitement of a single elimination game. I mean, they're all really excited. I mean, are they a little bit more nervous than usual? Yeah, probably. Right. Because, Hey, who's going to be the Cinderella story of the points, but invitational, because there's going to be one. Right. There's going to be an upset. The fact that, you know, Brad Gushu can go out as the number one seed in the in the opening against, uh, you know, a, a club team. I mean, that's or a junior team. I mean, that's that's drama. That's excitement. You know what I mean? And of course, you can bet on that over at PointsBet at PointsBet.ca. Um, but <laughs> um, no, I, I think that the feedback that we've gotten so far is uh, is people players are just really excited about the different structure. Um, I think there's been whispers and, and talk about finally being able to do something like this over the last number of years. So I think everybody's pretty excited. I think everybody's excited about that. I've heard great feedback about what the Friday night is going to be like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we're also, what's also really fun is, is um, you know, we're bringing down, uh, you know, John Morris is going to come down with us. Uh, John, is, as some of you may know, has, has recently retired um, from the men's game. He's still playing in mixed doubles, but John's going to come down with us and, you know, we're going to, we're gonna have we're we're, we're gonna really try and 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 showcase the world of curling um, in the most fun way possible. And and there's there's few better people to help us do that than Johnny. And the reality is, curlers are they're they're great athletes. They're really smart. They're fun people. And I think it's about time the Canadian and the the North American sports fan really got to know them a little bit better. And hopefully, we'll 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 start doing that better uh, next week. Yeah, well, listen, Nick. Look, look forward to following it, and and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll continue to follow. Uh, I'm sure you've got a couple of more announcements to make leading up to next week. But we're yeah, we're excited to see see the event and and see I guess the launch of the 
of the curling season. So thanks, thanks as always for joining us here. No, thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me the the, the opportunity to talk again and again. Um, I, I really appreciate it. This is a this is always a great a great uh, a great chat. Yeah, well, I want, I want to move uh, switch gears and uh, and get into a little bit of uh, regulatory uh, stuff uh, for a few minutes. We mentioned the newsletter this week about uh, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario is, is reaching out, I guess, and asking stakeholders in the industry for some input on the on the standards. And uh, there's a deadline of next week to to s- submit your your feedback or input or w- whatever you want to call. It. But is this is this an opportunity for for people in the industry to to try and get get a few tweaks to the regulations? Steve, are you are you familiar with this AGCO call to action? Uh, we have obviously been a classic regulatory, legal and regulatory team that has been dealing with that. And I've been in daily calls on the current uh, compliance requirements for Ontario, but I've not been made aware of uh, anything that's like that, though it doesn't surprise me that it's there. One thing I want to ask you, Steve, maybe uh, hoping that we get Amanda back, but just maybe if you could walk us through a little bit uh, how onerous and how detailed that that process with is with the AGCO to get your license? Well, I mean, I'm not going to use the word onerous. It's it's very detailed. It's it it covers everything from financial to responsible gaming to current uh, the type of currency uh, testing right through testing the whole uh, uh, life cycle of the customer. Um, I would not onerous is not the word detailed is the word and, and uh, very in depth and uh, it requires time. And that's why, you know, everybody you've seen going through the licensing process, it's four five, six months to, to get it done. Um, so, I mean, it, but it's what needs to be done in a regulatory process to make sure everybody is happy with the way things are working. And, and it so far seems to be working well. I mean, I don't know if Nick has any problems with it, but uh, from what I've seen, it's worked well. And, and can you explain the process with getting that final, you know, getting the, the final green light from iGaming Ontario, how that works? I think they just, uh, when, you, when you got the AGCO registration, then IGO goes through their final testing, their final rev share testing, and, uh, and then they give you the sign-off. You sign the registration documents and then you get the sign-off. It's just a lot of testing and a lot of uh, checking boxes and, and checking requirements and making sure that you comply with, I mean, regular, you know, your responsible gaming com- uh, compliance is very, very important. It feels to me like it's almost like playing football where you practice all week in lousy weather and do all the hard work and it's fun to get get to a game day and just kind of run run the business or play the game. Yeah, I'm starting to get into more of the marketing things now where we're having some meetings and discussions of on, on launch and stuff and, and that is a lot more fun, I will tell you. That is a lot more fun than sitting in compliance meetings. Thanks, Steve. I want to finish the hour and, and talk a little bit about there's been an, an awful lot of sports media slash sports betting news, especially in the U.S. over the over the last uh, couple of weeks with the start of the NFL season. And just to mention a few of them, I mean, we had a we have a link in the newsletter this week about ESPN beefing up its sports betting content, and there's been a lot of speculation and conjecture this week about Disney's strategy for ESPN and, and sports betting. And Chris Grove talked to Steve Ruddick at Props.com, and I, I thought gave a really just a smart and and 
in broad strokes and look at uh, and at how that probably will will shake out. And I, it looks like uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek's done a bit of a walk back today, and he said that you know people aren't going to be placing bets at ESPN. So I, I think he was trying to pour cold water on on ESPN becoming a sports book at some point. Uh, you know, I thought there was pretty significant news yesterday that uh, Jay Croucher, the head of trading for Points Back Canada, and someone who I, I quoted quite often on um, when I was writing sports betting columns for the Toronto Star last year, that that Jay's joining NBC Sports as a sports betting analyst, and so that was a move that that caught my my attention. Um, on the other hand, things have been pretty quiet with uh, with Sportsnet and TSN, where there hasn't been much fanfare. Uh, so far uh, in this fall sports season about their plans for sports betting. We've, we've seen a little bit with TSN and the relationship with FanDuel where they had a show called In the Lines that's sponsored by FanDuel and and uh, former NFLer Luke Wilson is, a, is an analyst in, in that uh, in that segment. You know, Steve, you did the Inside the Lines show for, for 20, 20 plus years and where do you kind of sit right now on on the attempts by the industry to to integrate sports betting and and sports media and and again I I think we all agree it's very very early days so no no one's judging anybody here but I'd I'd be curious in your thoughts just because inside the lines was was ahead of its time. First of all, I'm a little upset. So you're telling me that Disney will not have a new ride at the small hedge after all? <laughs> no comment. I was looking forward to going on that ride. Listen, I've uh, I've said all along. I thought integrated integrated content into broadcast would be uh, the way to go, the wave of the future. Because I do think that we got to the point already of saturation of the on our 32nd brand cells, which I think become white noise after a while. Um, uh, the ambassadors, I'm not sure, you know, we'll see how much success all these high paid ambassadors will, will do for the brands. But, uh, listen, we're, you know, we're all out there trying to find ways to market our company. And we're now we're all finding, trying to find different ways to market it. And, uh, Nick's done some really unique things and interesting things. And, and, uh, you know, the, you know, inside the line still goes. They, you know, they in sports interaction kept the show. They had the they had the rights to the show for another three years. So I had to give it up after twenty years. But I know the success of that show. I know the three companies I was with before before really wanted to keep that show because it was two and a half hours of content before a football game before the NFL Sunday for most of the season, which talked straight to the viewers about gambling. So that's integrated content. So I wasn't aware that FanDuel had a show on TSN. Now, I always wondered, to be honest with you, for the 20 years that I was doing that show on the fan, except in three years I went to TSN, why TSN never put a show on against us. Um, it gave us that free three-hour run up to football. So, yeah, integrated content is still the way to go. Yeah, and I think, Steve, you make a great point about doing something as a lead-up to the game, and, and that's kind of been the essence of parlay's video content is, is teeing up games and, and setting up the, the evening sports menu. And I always found inside the lines to be really good radio on a Sunday morning. And I, I've said it here before that it was something if I was driving home from the gym or driving out to the grocery store that I, I had my radio on listening to the show on Sunday mornings. And even though I wasn't a better, it, it was, it was good. Uh, it was good radio and it just didn't come across as a show for sports betters. I mean, was that a conscious effort on your part or do you think it was just the personalities and the information and that it went beyond sports betters? 
from day one, it was educate and entertain, inform and entertain and educate. Uh, it was always my thing. There was nothing like it on the radio or anywhere else. And no matter how many times I tried to tell people not to play pro-line parlays, when we went to emails at the end of the day, the first question would always be, what do you think of this 13-team parlay? It, it was such a tough, tough thing to try to convince people otherwise but yeah i mean the content that's out there now some of it's good some of it's not i mean the content that just you know go out there and telling you to play three team same game parlays or 14 team teasers or or tell you why they tell you why it's a good thing to buy from a six to a six and a half and pay 30 cents that's not good content the content out there is also going to have to be smart just putting out content and giving out picks or or i think there's it, it's got to be educational content i think that's where the industry is going to go with smarter better content mike mike there are you surprised that, that that things still seem to be a little bit slow coming out of the gate with with both sports and a tsn uh yes but it'll be i think the real test is coming up now with the crossover with nfl hockey about to start nba to start so I just wonder if it's just been a, a slow cook so far, and that we'll really see in the coming months. Yeah. I think a lot of the a lot of the companies might have really blown their wad coming out of the gate too. I mean, how much money can you spend? Uh, some of them, I don't want to name any names, have spent. I just don't know how they sustain that kind of spend over any kind of term. Yeah, Gavin, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know what? I, well, I'm curious. First of all, tonight will be interesting to watch. Uh, I've never been more happy that my wife talked me into paying for Amazon Prime service. Uh, um, I'll, I'll be watching the Chargers uh, Chiefs game and just to see how Prime does their production and, and how they integrate uh, betting content uh, will be interesting. I'm expecting it to be pretty low key. Um, like we've seen everybody else doing. What I feel like, you know, we're forgetting is is we're so immersed in it, but I think the networks are, are still treading carefully and realizing that there's a big swath of their audience that isn't as infatuated with it as, as we may be. And so they're going to just kind of do this toe in the water. I haven't been impressed really with, uh, you know, any of the, uh, like, I haven't found it to be very innovative and engaging. The types of content I've seen on sport, uh, TSN and Sportsnet, it's it's a pretty soft attempt at integration. Um, so you know, I watched the Manning cast. I didn't see any reference there. I, I part part of me expected to be to see something um, from a betting perspective. Didn't see anything. Found that interesting. So you know, and and to Mike's point, I think. TSN and Sportsnet, they pour a lot of their own production um, uh, dollars into hockey um, and, and, and basketball, more so than NFL. So I think we will see a little bit more of integrated betting content in there. Um, so, yeah, you know what, I, I, I kind of get it that it hasn't been the tsunami of, of integration. For everybody out there, the uh, the game tonight is on TS TSN as well, so not just Amazon. So anybody who is thinking they may not be able to get it tonight, uh, it is available um, for uh, for people to watch. And just back on on the networks, uh, keeping in mind that both services, talking specifically TSN and Sportsnet, of course, are national, and a sensitivity that, of course, you can't bet in every province, and so that broadcast is going in every province. So. 
maybe there's a touch of backing off for that reason as well until it's full bore. And same with stateside where it's not in every state. feels to me that the network so far up, up here have missed the education piece of it. I, I don't think they're going nearly far enough to educate sports fans who who are curious about sports betting or want to learn more about it. I definitely think there's room for room for improvement there. But as I said, it, it, we're, we're still quite, er, quite early. Uh, and you know what, Steve? I don't see it. I don't think that they see it as their place to educate. I think they see that as the place for the books to do that work. Because you need a lot more time. And they're not willing to put that time in for betting content to educate people. I think that they're going to look at it. Their view will be... Let the books and the rest of the industry invest that effort and, and come to us if you want to watch the games and get a quick a quick hit. It's my yeah. take. Yeah, all I would say to that, Gavin, is if you're uh, to to Steve's point, I think if you're if you're telling people, suggesting people that they should be looking at a parlay or, or um, that they that the line has shifted, that they, they owe it to their viewers to explain what that means because a lot of a lot of people watching an NHL game or an NFL game aren't going to understand what that means. And I think the targeted segments on betting they, that they've uh, to me that's a that's been a, a shortfall. But Steve Rapp, I, am, am I am I completely out to lunch on that? Yeah, it makes sense. The networks and and I think it was Gavin that said or was it Mike that said the networks don't feel it's their responsibility to do it. I think it is their responsibility. I'm just like the books have the responsibility as they should take care of responsible gaming and look, look make sure people gamble responsibly. I think the networks have the, the same responsibility to to help to educate and inform and make make their 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 viewers better gamblers. So I think they do hold some responsibility for doing so. Hey, Luke, do you want Luke, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I agree with what Steve said. I think the networks, if they're going to take all that money and have their own people go out there and start talking about betting, I think they owe it to you know the public to give the the education portion of it. I, I totally agree. It's everyone's responsibility. I think the books, it's their responsibility. And I think that uh, if everybody did that, I guarantee you'd even have more people opening up accounts. Because that way you're, you're in the, you know what they say, knowledge is power and, and the books can create a lot more power if they give people the knowledge that they need. Right. Let's, uh, that, that's a great way to end it, Luch. Let's, let's uh, cut it off here. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Steve Rapp. It's it great, great to have you back. And hopefully you're going to be able to come a regular once again here every, every Thursday afternoon. Cause we really appreciate your, your insight and, and your humor. And um, so we'll hope you'll come back again and join us. Pleasure to, pleasure to be here. The, uh, the job has ruined my golf game. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be available. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, you can catch this recording on by podcast, uh, Gaming News Canada show. We're on Apple. We're on Substack. So please uh, listen to the podcast. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. And we're going to do this again in seven days' time. And please, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week and have a very safe and enjoyable weekend. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show, a Parlay Media Group production. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Gaming News CA on Twitter to join the live audience and DM us if you're interested in sponsorship or being a featured guest. <laughs>